Well, how do we do this week with uh, rejoicing always and not worrying at all? I mean, okay, let's just say this. How many of you can think of at least, because this is what we talked about last week, how many of you can think of at least one time this week where normally you would have worried, but instead, because of what you heard in God's Word last week, you actually gave it up to God and you didn't worry about it again, you went back to rejoicing? How many were able to pull that off? Awesome. That's good. Yeah, that's so cool. Ha, is, was there anyone here that could say, you know what, I actually pulled it off this week. I went the whole week and didn't worry once. Is there some of you? Good. Right on. That's great. That's great. You know, it's, it's really cool because I feel like this series on joy has been the most applied series that we've ever had. Um, where people are actually doing something, their lives are actually changing because of it. Because a lot of times we'll, you know, I'll talk about service, and everyone's like, yeah, we'll, we'll serve, and then no one does anything. But, but with joy, it's been, you know, leaving here going, no, I'm really going to fight for joy, I'm really going to rejoice in the Lord, and I'm just hearing people, gosh, it's how much the Word of God has changed your lives over the last couple of weeks, and it's great. I mean, it's, it's just, it's so good, you know, feeling the pleasure of following Jesus and really just experiencing the joy that God wants us to have. It's, it's totally changed my life, um, this series and these, these passages to where I'm even happy at night, like my dreams are happier. You know, it's just like, I remember it was like thir- Tuesday night, you know, I had this dream that I was at the swimming pool, and I grabbed a couple of those, you know, floaty kickboard things, you know, that, that you float on, and I started going like this, and realized I could fly with these things. It was so cool, and I just put in my backpack and went all these places going, watch what I can do, and I'm just flying everywhere. And I thought, man, I'm 38 years old, and I'm still dreaming about flying. You know, you got to be joyful to do that. You know, just going, man, it's just, you know, sleeping better. Everything was so good. And then came Wednesday. And, uh, you know, you, you know, it's like, God, the moment I left your Saturday night, I just started getting bombarded with stuff. I'm like, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to give it to God, and I trust Him. He's heard me, and He's going to take care of it. And I could go back to my joy. You know, Monday, all day long, no big deal. Tuesday, no big deal. Just giving everything up. And you know, this is a fight. You know, Satan wants me to dwell, wants me to worry, but I, I just, I was fighting it all week long and just having the greatest week. And then Wednesday afternoon, you know, some bigger things happen, and it's like, okay, just for a couple minutes, just for a couple minutes, I'm going to worry about this one. And, and I did, you know, and then I kicked it out, and then Thursday, I was like, okay, you know, things are good, and then I just thought, you know what, I'm going to be annoyed at this person for a while. So let me just get annoyed just for a little while, uh, you know, it's out of my head, out of my system. Go on, try to rejoice again, back to rejoicing, and slowly it just begins to deteriorate, and then Friday, oh gosh, forget it. Friday, Friday afternoon, you know, just some things happened, and I just... I, I just specifically chose, and I just thought, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get angry right now. I'm going to dwell on this. I'm going to stress out about I'm going to take about two I took about two hours just allowing myself to be annoyed, allowing myself to get angry, even had time to throw in a little pity party in there, you know, and just, it was, it was a choice. It was a dumb, dumb choice, you know, just to dwell on a problem rather than rejoicing in the Lord. And, uh, you know, just knocked me out. You know, I just, I just chose to focus on my problem rather than my joy. And then again, you know, fought right back. But it's, you know, I refuse to say that I lost my joy. I, I refuse to go, gosh, you know, I lost my Because we, we love phrases like that because, because it takes a responsibility off of us as though something happened to us that was out of our control. It's like, gosh, I don't know what happened. I was so happy, and then I just lost it. 
You know, we, we do that, right? I, I just lost my joy. I don't know what happened. And it's like, no, I know what happened. I chose. It was a choice. I decided to dwell on my problems. I decided to dwell on the things that weren't praiseworthy. I made a specific choice. See, we love phrases like, ah, I just lost my joy because it takes away responsibility. As though something happened to us. We love phrases like, you know, I, I just, we just fell out of love. I hear that all the time. We, we just fell out of love. I don't know what happened. We were, we were so in love and we just fell out of love. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Yeah, you know what? Last summer I was so in shape. I was working. I was ripped. I just fell out of shape. I, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I just fell out of shape, honey. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't say things like that. I, I, I can tell, you know what happened was I started eating poorly. And then I, I just stopped going to the gym. I stopped running, stopped exercising, stopped surfing. And just, you know, and things started to fall. You know, I did something. You don't just fall out of shape. You don't just lose your six-pack somewhere. You, you know, you, you make decisions and you decide to do that. And in the same way, you don't just lose your joy. You don't lose your joy. You choose because no one can take your joy away from you. It, it's something you give away and you choose to focus on your problems. You choose to dwell on it. And, and let me just tell you, it, there, there's a fight. There's a battle going on for your mind. You know, as I've been talking about, no, let's just dwell on things that are praiseworthy. Let's just focus on those things. Guess what's going to happen? All these problems are going to come along because there's someone else in this world who doesn't want you to dwell on what's good and what's right. Someone else who doesn't want you to, to be singing in your heart and making a melody to the, God, to the Lord all day long. He doesn't want you thanking God from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed. He doesn't want you speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. He doesn't want you to have a peace that surpasses all comprehension. He doesn't want you rejoicing in the Lord always and, and just giving all your requests to God and never worrying again. And He's going to be fighting for your mind, fighting for your heart, fighting against your joy. And it's every bit of a fight. See, a lot of times we, we look at things like love and joy and peace and think they're supposed to just somehow happen to us rather than something we fight for. Joy doesn't sound like something we should have to fight for. It should be something that just happens naturally, right? But that's not what the Scriptures teach. Like everything good in our lives, even our love relationships, love's a choice and we fight for it. And, and there are times when, when Satan and, and all his demons, everything else, they can be fighting against those things. And that's where we rise up. And that's why I don't go, gosh, you know, I don't know what happened to me this week. I, there's no excuses. You know what? I, I let go. I let go for a couple hours. I stopped fighting for a couple hours. And because of that, the joy was gone. The joy was gone just that quickly. And we fight and we regain and say, no, Lord, you know what? I'm going to obey your word. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to dwell in fact, you see, a lot of times we think, well, what about when difficult things happen? I mean, if we had a really tough week, then I kind of have an excuse to lose my joy. And isn't it expected of me to kind of not be as joyful because I had a tough week? And really what the Bible teaches is the exact opposite. It doesn't teach that when life gets difficult, that that's an excuse for you to lose your joy, that you should lose some of your joy. In fact, the Bible says that's the time when you find true joy. That's the time in your life when you actually fight and discover a true joy. Because anyone can be joyful when, when life is good and life is easy. But the Bible describes, you know what, when you find pure joy, it's when the trials come. See, there's this passage in James chapter 1 that I, I have studied so many times, I've actually taught it. I, I've probably taught this passage 50 times. 
Okay, I probably taught this passage more than any other passage in the Bible. You know, as I travel and speak and do different things, James 1 is just a passage I always... And, and yet, you ever have one of those passages where you've known your whole life and then suddenly it's like your eyes are open and you're going, I never got this. I just now figured it out. I, I, it was like last week when I talked about rejoicing in the Lord always. It's like, I just realized I've been saying this but never really doing it. And I'm going to actually do it now, and it, and it changes your life. The same thing here with James chapter 1. It's a very interesting letter that James writes. Because in James chapter 1, verse 1, he starts it off just introducing himself. He says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, James um, was the half-brother of Jesus. Uh, James was a very prominent figure in the establishment of the church, in the early church. And, uh, and, and so he introduces himself, James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's writing this, it says, To the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Okay, who's that? The twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Twelve tribes. When you hear twelve tribes, what do you think of? Yeah, Israel. <laughs> Someone say Indians? No, it's Israel. <laughs> Israel. Um, you know, the twelve tribes of Israel. And, and the idea is, um, you, you know, here in uh, the early church, it started there in Jerusalem, day of Pentecost, You've got uh, you know, all the Jews living there. And many of these Jews came to believe in Jesus Christ. Now what happens is in, in Acts chapter 7, in Acts chapter 7 when you read about the early church, you have the stoning of Stephen, you know, this follower of God. And, and Saul, you know, it says, uh, you know, here's this man who totally loves the Lord, Stephen, and because of his faith he's stoned to death. And then in chapter 8, verse 1, it says, and Saul was there giving approval to his death. Saul, who, who was uh, just persecuting the church, killing Christians, dragging. And later on in chapter 9, you hear that he actually has a conversion. And then Saul changes his name to Paul, you know, and, and really becomes a leader of the church in many ways and, and wrote about half the books in the New Testament. But here's a guy that's persecuting the church, and it got so bad in Acts 8, verse 1, it says, on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Okay, so when, he, when here James is writing to the 12 tribes that have been scattered, it goes back to Acts chapter 8 when the persecution was getting so bad which Saul himself or Paul was actually heading up was just dragging Christians off into prison, having them killed, having them beaten, having them stoned to death. And so now what these Jewish believers have, had done at that point was they begin to run for their lives. Okay, natural response. They're killing all of us. Let's get out of here. And they're dispersed everywhere. So now imagine, imagine if, if you were James and you see these Jewish people who have run for their lives. They're grabbing their kids. They're running. They're out of everything that's familiar to them. They're their homeland, everywhere they grew up. And now you're running. You're running with your kids. You're worried for your life. People are persecuting you just because you believe in Jesus Christ. And then James decides to write a letter to them. And he says, I'm writing you this letter. And the first thing he says to them is, Greetings. Now, when I looked up the word greetings, I just assumed that it would just mean, Hi. What's up? You know, and, and yet the word there literally is the word rejoice, joy. It comes from the root word that we studied last week, to rejoice. It was a cheerful greeting. It was like a be glad type of greeting. And, and not only does he say that, but he says in verse 2, he says, consider it pure joy. 
Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because take yourself back there. If you're James, you're a leader in the church, and these people are running for your lives, and you're writing them a letter to encourage them, what's the first thing you're going to say? Stinks to be you. You know, (laughs) sorry to hear about this. Gosh, it's got to be tough, whatever. But he goes, joy. Consider it pure joy. Be glad. Consider it pure joy whenever you face various trials. Uh, it's, just, it's one of those, those verses where you go, gosh, this is, this is maybe the most difficult verse in the Bible to, to really apply. He, says, he doesn't say, hold on to just a little bit of joy. I know it's tough right now and you guys are going crazy. You're, 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 you're wondering where you're going to live. You're, you're looking for protection from your kids. You're looking for food for your kids. You know, just try to find, just try to hold on to a little bit of joy. You know, look for the silver lining. You know, but no, he says, no, I want you to consider it all pure, absolute joy. Every bit of joy you can have, you can have right now. Consider it all joy, my brothers whenever you face trials of many kind. And and then this idea of faith, the word for faith is to to be thrown down. It's like when you're just thrown down into the pit and suddenly you're surrounded by trials. But the word here is, is surrounded by different kinds of trials. It's not like you're in this pit and there's just one enemy over there. It's like everything is coming down around you. He says, it's not, it's not, oh, okay, so-and-so's sick. Okay, and I've got that one trial. He says, no, count it all joy when you're thrown in this pit and it seems like everything. You've got all these different types of trials. Okay, now I lost that person. That person passed away. This person's sick. I just lost my job. You know, I'm going to lose my house. You know, everything's falling apart. My own kids can't stay. My friends are gossiping. About. Everything is falling apart. He says, consider it all pure, absolute joy. Don't you typically consider it an absolute drag when all that happens? If someone tells you, gosh, you know, all these things are going on, you just go, oh, man, I feel so sorry for you. I feel so bad for you. That's horrible. That's terrible. And yet James says the exact opposite. He goes, when that happens, consider it all joy. Consider it pure joy. Every ounce of joy you can get, you can get in that situation because he's explaining that, you know, this is a joy that comes from the Holy Spirit. This is a joy from God. See, anyone can rejoice, right? I mean, can people who don't believe in God rejoice? Of course. Yeah, we won the football game. Yeah, I won the lottery. Yeah, you know, I got another girl. You know, whatever it is. It's like, yeah, I did this. Yeah, I did. We rejoice. Anyone on the earth can rejoice. But the Bible's talking about a supernatural joy here. A joy that's only available through the Holy Spirit that a believer can have. It's very similar to, you know, when Jesus taught about love. He says, you know what? If you love those who love you, big deal. He goes, even sinners can do that. He goes, anyone can love the people that love them back. You know, sometimes we pride ourselves as Christians and go, oh, I have so much Christian love, you know, but it's like, okay, who do you love? You just love the people who love you? He says, anyone can do that. He says, the worst of sinners can do that. He says, but I lent someone money. He goes, yeah, but they're going to pay you back, aren't they? He goes, you know what? Unbelievers do that. Big deal. And then Jesus teaches there in Matthew. He says, I'm saying love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. He goes, then you'll be sons of the Most High. See, that's Christian love. 
A love of the world, it's, you know, we can all love people who love us. But Jesus says, you want Christian love? You want supernatural love that comes from God? That, that's, that's Jesus on the cross, who's being nailed to a cross by these people. And what does He do in return? Father, forgive them. They, they just nailed me to this cross. It's killing me and everything else, but forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Love them. I love them. I want you to forgive them. It's being persecuted and loving in return. That's something that you don't see. See, I've seen people rejoice. I see people rejoice when things are good, but every once in a while I get to see Christian joy. And that's when I see someone who even in, the spite, uh, even in spite of their whole world falling apart, they still have joy. And you go, well, that's not normal. That's not normal. I don't see that in someone who doesn't believe in God. I don't see that in someone who doesn't have a true relationship with Jesus. It's just like loving your enemies. Okay, then you're sons of the Most High. Now you're acting like God's children because you can have joy even in trials. And that's different from the world. Because we can rejoice when life is good, but so can unbelievers. We can have peace when everything in life is going well and we're sitting in the ocean watching the sunset. Anyone can do that. But can you have a peace that surpasses comprehension? Where people go, ooh, how'd you do that? Can you have a peace like I saw in Cheryl on Thursday night? Cheryl, who was a member of this church, Cheryl Bilbo, who used to work at the church. And uh, on Thursday, she went to the doctors. She's had cancer. And the doctors said, there's nothing more we can do. It's done. And uh, realizing, okay, you're, you're going to die. There's no treatment left. And, uh, and so she says, you know what? Then tomorrow morning, can I get someone in a motorhome take me up to Idaho so I can die with my family? And... Um, Okay, and so I get a phone call. I go over there Thursday night and just talk to Cheryl, and we're just laughing, just laughing. She's just, you know, just talking about, man, this is so cool. This is so cool. This is it. You're actually going to be with him. This is the one you've been worshiping for so long, and, and you get to leave this little earth and all the little piddly things we're dealing with and, and actually see things from a whole different perspective and be with God and to pray and to have peace. You know, people look at that and go, gosh, that's not normal. That's a peace that surpasses comprehension because usually when you're at that point and you hear that news, you're just totally bummed out. and It's like, I don't want to die. I can't leave everything behind. What's going to... No. Peace that surpasses comprehension. Same peace I talked about a couple weeks ago when I did Lynn, Lynn Pattaya, her, her, her funeral and, and, and talking to her a couple weeks before that all happened and she knew she was going and first thing out of her mouth with her joy was like, hey, are you going to be around? Are you going to be around in the next couple weeks? I want you to do my funeral. That's not normal. Okay, that's that's a supernatural peace. That's a peace that surpasses comprehension. A love on the cross that says, love them, even though they're nailing me to this. That, that's 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 Christian love. That's Christian peace. And the same way there have been a few times in my life when I've seen Christian joy, Christian joy in, in people who can rejoice in the worst of situations. Some of the most joyful people I know. I think of Johnny Erickson Tata, quadriplegic. You know, you spend 10 minutes with her and you just go, gosh, I don't have that joy in me. You remember, you know, a couple months ago, a few months ago when we had Nick here who was born without arms, without legs, and he's just, you know, wilding around on the stage with a joy that we just go, gosh, what is my problem? You know, I want that joy. You know, it's, it's, it's the same joy that I felt when I went to, to Africa. And you go, okay, I'm going to be a missionary. I'm going to go help these poor, starving orphans. And I see them singing, dancing, worshiping the Lord. And I go, what is my problem? 
You know, and just realize, I don't have a joy like that. Here are these impoverished kids who don't know where their meal's coming from next. And when they worship God, they have a joy that's just contagious. You saw when they were dancing here on stage when you brought that Ugandan kids choir. I mean, we're just all like, you know, by the time we're done, because you look in their faces and you go, that's, that's a joy that the world doesn't understand. That's a supernatural joy, a joy that comes not because of circumstance, but it's because of a genuine relationship with God and finding so much pleasure in Him because you've lost everything else in the world. And that's when you can find the true joy. And that's why James says, hey, don't just hold on to a little joy. This is the time when you can consider it pure joy, absolute joy, a supernatural Christian joy. See, in verse 3, he says, because you know, here's why you can have joy. He says, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Why is it that you can be joyful? Is because when you're being tested, you can know, you can have assurance that right now, because life is tough, I'm developing perseverance. Now, the word perseverance is two words. It's to, to hold up and the word under. It's the whole idea of there's, this, there's something you're under and you're just being able to hold it up. It's, it's this idea of perseverance, of no matter how much weight is put on there, you're, just, you're holding it. It's the opposite of collapsing. It's the opposite of falling apart. And the Bible teaches you can rejoice when life gets difficult because it's developing you a strength, an ability to hold up under pressure. Let me put it to you this way. If, he says that the trials is what brings that, that develops this type of strength. When you walked in the room today, when you walked in here, if I asked you as you walked in the door and I just took a survey, do you want to be a strong person? What would you answer? Yeah. I think everyone would. I, I have yet to meet a person that says, I, I really want to be weak. I just I want to be one of those people there. You know, a little thing happens and I just fall apart. I, I've always wanted to be that. No, we'd all say, I want to be strong. I, I want to be a strong person. I want that. Okay, then if I ask you question number two, do you want to have some trials this week? No. <laughs> right? See, and, and, and it's like we want both. I want to be strong and I want to live a life without pain. And the Bible says you can't have both. It's the testing of your faith. It's these trials. That's the only way you're going to be strong. It's the only way you can build up this perseverance. And so if you want that, if you want that more than comfort, if you want that more than an easy life, then when the pain comes, you go, okay, this is good because it's making me strong and that's what I want to be. I want perseverance. I want to be a strong person. See, and I've grappled with this passage and go, okay, Lord, I do want that. And I've, I've been there for a while saying, God, you know what? If I need more trials in my life to get closer to you, to know you better, to be a stronger person, I, I, want, to, I want to be a man of character. I want to be a strong person. So, okay, I'll take the trials. But, but here's where I, I've even taken it to another level. God's really been teaching me. Is, is trusting God with my own kids. That, that's, that's been a whole different thing that God's been teaching me because, okay, you guys know, I, I've got three little girls. Three little girls. You guys, you guys know them. They're the, the cutest ones in the church. And um, <laughs> they, uh, you know, and, and ever since they were born, you know, and I got a boy in two weeks, two weeks, boy. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's ever since they were born, the prayer's been the same. 
You know, when I go away, when Daddy goes on a trip, you know, Lord, you know, help Daddy stay safe. Yeah, Lord, you know, help my kids to be safe so when I get home, you know, everything's just back together. I mean, it's good. Give them a safe trip to school tomorrow. Help them to, you know, be safe at school. Help them, you know, not to be hurt by anyone. Help them to safely get home. Let them have a good night's sleep. Help them to be safe and, you know, just have a safe week. You know, safe, 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 safe. You know, I mean, thank God that we're in the safest city in America right now, you know. And you know what? Maybe, maybe one day, Lord, you can put me in a gated community where I'll be safer and maybe you'll get us some guard dogs you know and our own personal bodyguard and you know and I'll send my kids off to school take some pepper spray honey you know because we're going to be safe right and that's just been my mentality because you know it's just like Lord you you see them these are girls these are my little girls you don't want them hurt and my prayer so often is for safety and then I, I I read this passage and I realize you know what if they're sheltered from pain if they're sheltered from trials, when they leave my house, they're not going to be able to hold up under any pressure. And really, what is my goal in parenting? To shelter? To protect? The Bible says my goal is to train them up. I'm to train them up, raise them up. And my prayer is, you know what? When they leave my house, I want them to be able to hold up to persevere. I want them to, to be able to know how to draw strength from God on their own. So when they leave, they don't need Dad and they can go directly to God Himself. And that means in life, I'm starting to go, okay, Lord, that means I'm praying for some trials in their lives. God, don't make their life so easy. Because my job is to get them trained up and raised up and ready and to be able to hold up under pressure. And God, they're not going to be able to do that unless there's some struggles now that I can show them how to, how to draw strength from God and take them through that so when they're out, they're strong. You see, it's tough because I, I want my girls to be strong, but I also I don't, I hate seeing them hurt. And, and I can't have both. And so it's like, Lord, okay, it's more important that they know how to be strong in You. And this is a tough thing to pray, God, but give them what they need. Put some trials in their lives. You know what they can handle. Teach them to bear up under pressure. You know, it's so hard because our natural instinct is to say, gosh, I remember my childhood. It wasn't that great. I had to struggle. And this is probably the story, not my story. It's probably a lot of our stories. Not mine alone, I should say. I mean, where you go, God, I saw so much death. I saw so much pain. I saw a lack of love. And, you know, and I was like, man, we were, I saw poverty and we're just we're scraping by. We're trying to do anything. We're fighting for everything. And, and I don't want my kids to have to go through that, right? I mean, haven't you heard that so many times? I went through so many struggles as a kid. I knew what it was to suffer. And I'm not going to make you go through the same thing. I don't want you to go through the same thing I went through. And we never stop and realize it was that pain that made us who we are today. It was those tough times that developed us into men and women who, you know what, I'm not going to fall apart over everything because I know what it's like to struggle. And that, that built in me a strength. And sometimes when we shelter our kids from that, we realize, well, that's probably the worst thing I could do for them. I'm developing this weak individual that I'm supposed to send out into this, this nasty world. You know, and, and it's like, okay, it's, it's really changed my prayer lives to, Lord, Lord, I, I love these girls. And I don't want them to fall apart in life when things get difficult. So bring some trials now where I can guide them and teach them how to draw strength from you. It's a tough prayer, but I go, you know what? I can't have both. I can't have a pain-free life and be a strong person. And the same is true for my kids. And so I surrender that to you, Lord, and I trust this passage.
See, and, and he, says, he says, you know, the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And then in verse 4, he says, perseverance must finish its work so that you can be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Okay, I love this verse because no one talks about this anymore. He, he says, let this process go on of the pain, the bearing up under, you know, this, this process of perse- perseverance. He goes, because if you do that, then at the end of your life, you will be mature and complete and not lacking anything in your character. You, you see, no one talks about this. No one talks about the end result. When's the last time you heard someone say, I'm really working toward being this mature, complete person. So at the end of my life, I'm just not lacking in character. I'm a strong person, mature, complete, holy, sanctified, the way God wants me to be. No one talks about this anymore. No one talks about the end result. The only thing I hear about is people going, gosh, I want to make sure at the end of my life, I've got enough money. Right? We talk about this all the time. I want to make sure I'm secure financially. I want to make sure I have something, you know, to give. I'm not saying these things are bad things. I'm just saying that's all we talk about. Who ever talks about character anymore? Our society does not value character. We value comfort. We value security. Not character. We don't talk about, I want to be this man of God. And even in the church, we don't talk about, I want to become this woman of God. And so if it's going to take trials for me to get there, I want to become like Christ. I want to go through this process of sanctification so when I stand before God, I'm mature, complete, not lacking in anything. We don't think about the end result. And yet, you guys, that's all God cares about. He's concerned about not leaving you where you are. He wants you to develop into this mature, complete person. That's His, that's his will for your life, for you to be mature and complete. See, a lot of times that's not our, our will. Our will is, ah, just give me an easy life. But in order for the end result, the end result, have you ever thought about the end result and what type of person you want to be at the end of your life? Ever? Ever think about that? See, it's, it, it's like, uh, you know, I've used this illustration before. It's like, it's like when you bake a cake, all you care about is what comes out of the oven, right? Right? That's all you care about. Otherwise, what you would do is as you're mixing the ingredients, you would taste each one and you, you'd take a, a third cup of flour, throw it in your mouth and go, you know, oh, that's gross, you know. You crack an egg, you suck on that, and just, you know, pinch it, you know, the yolk and just, oh, you know, swallow it. You know, you, you get a, you know, a little cube of butter and you cut it in half and just throw it in your mouth and just let it disintegrate. Toss in some vanilla, some Betty Crocker stuff, you know, just, ah, you know, and you're tasting it all. And as you taste each ingredient, you go, ooh, that's not good, that's not good good that's not good i'll leave that out you never do that because you don't care about the process otherwise you would just have a pile of sugar that you stick in the oven right no you take all of the ingredients you throw it in there you mix it in there and you throw it in the in the oven you're not caring about all the flavors because you all you care about is what's going to come out and when it comes out you go oh good all the ingredients are in there it's complete it's perfect it's not missing anything it tastes good now you see in life God's concerned about the end result. And there will be things, there will be ingredients He puts into your life where you go, Lord, that doesn't taste real good. God, why would you have me go through that as a child? Why in my teens did you throw that ingredient in? And then I turned 20. Remember that? Where were you when I had turned 20 and these things started to happen to me? 
And, you know, then we get married, and then we have these kids, and then we, we had all these problems, these issues. And, uh, where were you during that time? Why'd you put that in? Why'd you put that in? And God's going, just let it go. You know, <laughs> let, me, let me mix it. Let me just, because at the end of your life, you're going to see it really took all these ingredients to make you this mature, complete person, not lacking in anything. And that's the process I was doing in your life. Not, not at the end of your life that you're just this pile of sugar. Oh, everything was easy, sweet. No, he says, no, it's this end result. No, you're a man or woman of God. Where, yeah, I suffered. Life wasn't easy. You ever met people like that? That went through a lot and they just kept drawing closer and closer to God through every trial. And in the end of your life, you just go, man, just speak to me. Every word that comes out of your mouth is gold. You're mature. You're complete. You, you know things that I don't get yet. And we value those elderly that have been through it, that have been through the fire. And you go, that's maturity. That's complete. Is that what you want? Honestly. Let me ask it to you this way. And don't, don't just give the, the, the right answer. If, if God spoke to us this morning and said to everyone in this room, I'm going to give you a choice. It's up to you. Okay? The next five years of your life, you can make your own choice. You can have choice number one. Choice number one is for the next five years, no trials. Okay, life's going to be easy. Think about it. Okay, no pain financially. Everything's going to go well. You're going to get promotions. You're going to do better. You're going to have more put away. It's going to be great. In fact, your relationships, no one's going to die that you love, that you care about. Only the people you don't like. Okay, everyone else, they're, they're all going to stay alive. You know what? Your relationships are going to be fine with them. Your friends are going to stop talking behind your back. People are going to like you more than ever. First time you're popular. Everything's going well. It's just working for me. No trials. Five years. But at the end of five years, you won't be any more mature. You won't be any more like me. You won't be any closer to me, but it will have been easy. Or I'll give you choice number two. And choice number two is, guess what? These next five years will be tough. These next five years, you're, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna just experience some painful things. But during that time, you're going to learn how to draw strength from me, and it's going to help you to bear up under the weight of even greater issues later on. You're going to become more godly. You're going to become more holy. You're going to become more like me, more like Jesus. And it will, at the end of five years, go, man, that was tough. But you're going to stand there as a person that's more mature, more complete, more like me. You think it through. What would you choose? Really, what would you choose? See, because if your goal is to be that man or woman of God, then when the trials come, you can go, oh, this is good because this is going to get me there. But if your desire is over there when the trials, every time the trials come, you'd go, I don't want it. I can't find any joy. I can't find pleasure in it. <laughs> Guys, I, I'm just now getting this, and I'm just now able to just come before God and go, okay, this is tough. This has been a tough week. There's some tough things in my life right now. God, this is good. Because when I get out from under this, I'm going to be a different man. I, you're going to see a different Francis a month from now because the trials God's putting me through and stuff like that. It's like, that's good. That's good. I'm going to become more and more than. You're going to see a different me a year from now, 10 years from now, hopefully, Lord willing, 20, 30, however many years, because God, I want, to, I want to be different. I want to be different every week when I stand before that congregation. I want to be more mature, more complete. And so if it takes the trials, then when they come, I'm going to go, okay, God, there's a side of me that can rejoice in that. I'm not saying this is easy. I'm not saying there aren't days where we say, okay, forget it. Just give me that option for a little bit. You know, 
I've had enough trials. And it's like, no, God, let me trust you with the process for me, with my kids, everyone else. You guys, uh, we're, we're going to spend some time, and I know some of you are having a hard time right now. It's been a tough week. But the Bible says you can have joy in that, pure joy in that. And we're going to have some time worshiping right now, no matter what's going on in your life. But for some of you, I recognize, even right now as the worship team comes out, you, you go, gosh, I'm not there yet. And you know what the Bible says in the very next verse, in verse 5? He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, then let him ask God. Then pray, ask God. And he will give it to you generously without finding fault. But when you ask, he says, you, gotta, you, you have to ask and not doubt. And so some of you this morning, you go, gosh, I don't get this yet. I'm not there. I don't have the wisdom to accept these trials as good things, things that will purify me. And you need some prayer. Man, I'll be over there to pray with you. You'll have, we'll have other people there to pray with you. I, I'm not saying i got the answers to your problems. I, I, don't, I don't even know how to counsel people half the time. Well, I don't know what to tell you. You know, but I can pray for you and pray that God will give you wisdom to understand what you're going through because I'll never go through the same thing you do. It's going to be different for all of us, but God will give you the wisdom to see you through it. So if that's you or if you go, gosh, I've never had this joy you're talking about. I've never had the joy of this relationship that's so good that, that, that I have this spirit that doesn't even worry about issues so much in this world, but I want that relationship with God. I want to begin it today. I, I want to get baptized today and start a whole new life with Christ. I just want to die to the old me, start a whole new life following God, rejoicing in Him. And if that's you, gosh, we can do that during service. But uh, for the rest of us, despite what's going on in your life, you know, let's just let's, let's say like Job, blessed be your name, Lord. I'm still going to bless you. You give, you take away, I'm still going to bless you. And that's true Christian joy is for those of you who are struggling, who right now are going to lay that aside, and you're going to worship the Lord with us.